0: Well, we're gonna come to, I think it's page 33, right? Under keys. We're on the last key. We're on the last full day. Uh, And this key is uh, quite fitting to be the concluding key because, um, and I'll open up in this way, that to enjoy the Jubilee in full, we have to take care of this key. So once everyone has it, how about we read the title of this message together, strongly, okay, ready? Being with those who are sanctified. I think we have to say it stronger, okay, again. Being with those who are sanctified. Oh, I hope after today or even right now, those, that little expression, being with those, is music to our ears. Oh, it is something so precious, being with those. Uh, And, you know, I just have to mention, because this message is really a direct compliment to our brother's last night message, right? About us returning to the church um, as the divine family. And uh, this is quite precious. My eyes got open to something quite precious about the Jubilee. One, I enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed our brother sharing. One, I, I learned two words. One word is grace. I don't know if I can quite do what he does, but hallelujah, let's say it together. Grace. When we return to his family, we get grace. And then the other, way, other word is yum-yum. We need to yum-yum the word of God. I think after that fellowship, my... Contact with the word will be never to be the same, right? We need to yum-yum the word. And so I really appreciate the latter half of the outline where it brought out that in this parable of the prodigal son, which illustrates the jubilee, that the father's need is greater than the son's need. Did you catch that? And I, uh, there's I, something just kind of opened my eyes to see. We are very conscious of our need. But you know, brothers and sisters, our God has a need. He needs rest, and he finds rest in the church. And the church is composed of all of us prodigal sons who, by His grace, experience the jubilee and are brought back home to the divine family. And when we are brought back home, yes, we experience rest and enjoyment. But now even more, our God finally gets His rest and enjoyment. And mutually, we enjoy the Jubilee. Uh, And so from last night and then this morning, on this matter of being with those, I hope that our feeling about the church is heightened to the uttermost. You know, the purpose and the goal of the Jubilee is the church as God's house where God can find rest. And so hopefully there's a lot of feeling in us for the church. This too needs to be our goal. And this too also needs to be our desire. So in this message, um, I say this is a fitting concluding key because being with those, number one, is that it will help us to enjoy the Jubilee in full. And I'll explain. But as we go home, I realize there's another very important component, is that we need to pick up this key of being with those who have been sanctified in order to preserve us in the enjoyment of the Jubilee. Right, I, uh, shepherd brought up that question. There's maybe a little bit of apprehension this whole week, have you been released? Yeah. Have you been brought back to God as your portion? Yeah. Isn't he so rich? Yeah. Oh, I'm beside myself almost. I just, so good. But then we're going to go back and we're afraid, right? Is, all, is it going to leak? Am I going to lose this enjoyment? Well, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, if you pick up this key, how can we contain this enjoyment is by being with those. As we'll see in a second, that's the church life. Uh, and so I got reminded of, you know, there's this parable that the Lord speaks in uh, Matthew chapter 9. And he is speaking to the religious people, uh, unveiling that he is absolutely uncom- incompatible with man's religion. And he speaks this word to them. This says, uh, in verse 9, uh, 17, neither do they put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. So I like to bring this in the context of the Jubilee. You know, the new wine signifies the invigorating life of Christ. And the invigorating life of Christ requires a certain kind of container. And that is what's here, is the fresh wineskins. The fresh wineskins signify the church life. The church life is able to contain our enjoyment of Christ as life. So the, the new wine is the Jubilee. And it's invigorating life, it's enlivening us. But it needs a container in order to be preserved. And that container is the church life. It is us being with those who have been sanctified. Amen. So I'm going to get into the outline. Okay, before that, okay, I have to mention, go back. In order to enjoy the Jubilee in full, we have to be with those. If you have noticed, I'm going to just kind of run through some key points from verses. Like in the verse, Acts 26, 18. If you notice, when it talks about us receiving an inheritance among those. You notice again here. Inheritance, what? Among those. If you want to enjoy the inheritance, you have to be among those. And then earlier, we enjoyed this verse, Colossians 1.12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. Right? But it's of the saints. The allotted portion belongs to the saints. So again, you're going to keep coming back to the same point. When we talk about receiving and enjoying our inheritance, it is something that is not done individualistically, but it's done with the saints. And so Ephesians makes it abundantly clear. And I'll use a little illustration. It says Paul, this is part of Paul's prayer for the believer's experience, right? I'll pick up Ephesians 3, 17, praying that Christ may make His home in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, then verse 18, may be full of strength to apprehend with all the saints what the breadth and length and height and depth are. So if we are to apprehend the breadth, the length, the height and depth, those are the dimensions of Christ. We have to do it with all the saints. Uh, so I was enjoying that in the Old Land, in the Old Testament, the land is two-dimensional. But we see that Christ is the fulfillment of this land. He's the reality. But in the New Testament, He is four-dimensional. He is universally vast. right? He is unsearchably rich. But to experience this unsearchably rich, universally vast Christ, we need to do it with the saints. And I'll illustrate it in this way. You know, I enjoy the Lord, so I have a length of Christ. But if I'm going to get the breath, I need a brother. So, Ivan, come forward, come up. Our brother, in our brother, he's experienced the breath. Now, if we need height, what's your name, Jacob? Come on forward, I need this brother, and he has the height, okay? But then there's one more dimension, what is that? Depth. And now I can't get your name, you're hidden, so come forward. Aaron, okay. Aaron has the depth, he's the deep brother, right? He's the height brother, I'm the length brother, and you are the width brother, right? If I separate, if I'm not with the brothers, yes, I can enjoy a length, but I miss all their portions. Right? The breadth, height, length. It's all missing. But when I'm with the brothers, praise the Lord, it's come together. When we're together, I get His height. I get His depth. I get His width. We get each other's portions of Christ. And then we find ourselves in a realm of a four-dimensional Christ who's universally vast. And this all happens by being with those. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, brothers. And in this way, then we enjoy the jubilee in full. Isn't that sweet? So in this outline, uh, you know, these keys are intended to be kind of like practical handles, right, for us to enter in to the experience of the Jubilee. So there's uh, two words actually summarize this outline. And so these two words are meetings, companions. Okay, to be with those, we have to be in the meetings of the church, and we need to have companions in the Lord. Amen. Okay, so now we're going to jump into the outline. Roman number one, as you'll see, is on the matter of meetings. So let's read Roman number one together. Amen. In. Yeah, I love this uh, definition of the church life is, uh, in this context, in this fellowship, is the church life is being among those who have been sanctified. Pretty simple. When you are with those who have been sanctified, you are in the church life. Now, this little phrase, having been sanctified, is very meaningful, uh, and I was just freshly enjoying this. To be sanctified is to be made holy. To be made holy is to be separated from everything common and worldly unto God. And this happens the moment that you believe in the Lord Jesus, by his precious blood, you got sanctified. You got separated from the world. And now your position is in God, right? In that precious. And not only so, but we also need to be sanctified inwardly. This is dispositional sanctification, in which we get transformed by the holy nature of God, in our nature. And I love the word saturate, right? So we need to be separated, and we need to be saturated. And the saturating is a lifelong process. So on one hand, we have been sanctified, and on the other hand, we are being sanctified. And you know, uh, these individuals who are being sanctified, you know what their names are, what they're called? What do you call them? saints i know this is a new but it's scriptural term oh brothers and sisters we are saints you know this verse uh i just was fresh uh first corinthians 1 2 to the church of god which is in corinth to those who have been sanctified in christ jesus the called saints oh hallelujah. how about we all say i am a saint and you know why that's precious? Listen to this verse, Psalm sixteen three. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent. Amen. All my delight is in them. Amen. Well, God's delight is in us, the saints. Amen. And we are the excellent. Amen. So how about you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are the excellent. Are the excellent. <laughs> and then say, God's delight, is in you. God's delight is in you. Oh, I hope if our eyes are open, our, our view of one another will change. Oh, how precious are the saints. It's so good to be with the saints. So a simpler definition, the church life is just being with the saints. Um, amen. Wonderful. Okay, so now let's look at uh, point A. I'm going to read it to you. In order to experience Christ as the Jubilee in a full way, we need the church life. Then here, in particular, we need the church meetings. Oh hallelujah for the church meetings. You should circle that. This is where the burden, that's where we're about the meetings. What is meeting with the saints is the greatest joy, greatest joy on earth. Amen. Because when you meet with the saints, you are in the Jubilee right it's so point b says it's very particular how about we read it together of our life supply yeah wow so the church life is a meeting life and then brothers and sisters never stop meeting Right, and then, uh, and not going to the meetings is equivalent to cutting off our life supply. Uh, I I like to read, there's um, the, the ministry portion to which it came, just part of it. This sentence really touched me. The life pulse of the church is in the meetings. The life pulse of the church is in the meetings. Not going to the meetings is equivalent to cutting off our life supply. When a person stops attending the meetings, his church life comes to a halt. This can be compared to a person who is never at home. As far as he is concerned, his home does not exist. Therefore, the church life is a meeting life, and we should never stop meeting. When it said life pulse, I, I think it was, I was thinking of my pulse. No, you're, I don't know if you call it a blood pulse. They don't, you don't do that. But you have your pulse, and that is a vital sign that you're alive. So a good question is how is your spiritual pulse, right? How is your meeting life that really indicates how you're doing spiritually? And I don't know if you have this realization, but when we don't take care of the meeting life, that we are, in a sense, committing spiritual suicide. Um, you know, the next point, uh, it's, it's good, uh, I'll just read it to you. Meeting is the characteristics the characteristic of Christians. Meeting is to, have, is to a Christian as water is to a fish, air to a bird, and breathing to a human being. I think we all, especially those who grew up in children's meeting, do you know that? The fish need water, the birds need air. Children need the children's meeting. And you might think, well, this is kind of trite. I, we're way outgrown little children. And here's this point in a college training telling us that fish need water. Birds need air, right? We human beings need breath. And so I hope you can kind of pick up the thought is that the matter of meetings is a life and death matter. It's not a kind of duty. Oh, we're supposed to go to the meetings. No, if you don't go to the meetings, it's equivalent to, I don't know if you've ever seen a fish flopping outside of water. It's a very uncomfortable state. You know, I'll give you a little testimony. I uh, there was uh, one period of time I went to a place where there's no Saints. And that was to the South Pole. Um, it was part of when I was in graduate school and it was an opportunity, a unique opportunity. I was there just for about a month. Um, but I went down there, found out there's no Saints there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can testify the Lord was there. Oh, my personal time with the Lord was wonderful. I still have very memorable times of being released and enjoying him in the word. Even had opportunities to preach the gospel. Um, But I can tell you, just after two weeks being there, I was just, I was dying to get out. My feeling was kind of like if I don't know if anyone's done this. I've never done it, but I can imagine it's quite frightening. If you ever try to, if you had to go swimming in a tunnel filled with water, and you have to get to the other side. Has anyone ever had to do that? And so you have to hold your breath until you get to the other side. Well, I can tell you, when I was away from the saints, I felt like I was just holding my spiritual breath, kind of holding on. And then I remember, I still, when I went back, I got to visit the saints in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Kiwis are wonderful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways, I, I went there and got with the saints. Oh, my goodness, that was the best meeting. Oh, I got so refreshed. The supply. The light, the enjoyment of being with the saints. Amen. Oh, so this I became my appreciation of the church life become heightened to the uttermost. Before that I took it for granted. Oh, we brothers and sisters need the meetings of the church. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so point two it says we should meet to such an extent that it becomes a habit, thus producing a meeting life. Habit is a good word. Uh, it's something that you repeat, you keep doing until it is your habit. I was really touched. There's a brother in my locality who just recently moved there, and I I'm, I was so impressed. He has to work from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. plus sometimes six, and even on Saturday, similar hours. It was like so intense. I feel so much for this brother, um, but you know what? He makes it to all the meetings, and he. Admittedly, he many times falls asleep, but he's there. And one time I was like so convicted that we have a uh, church service meeting Saturday morning. Come together for morning revival, and then we clean the meeting hall. And he asked me, when when is the meeting Saturday morning? And I told him, yeah, it's 9.30, and we're there. We have morning revival just for about an hour or a half hour, and then we clean the hall. Okay, good, because he has to work on Saturday, and he wanted to, but he can only take one hour break but he wanted to use that one hour break to meet with the saints. I was like so convicted. Wow. I mean, this brother is giving himself for the meeting life. Right? So it should become a habit. So here, just a little word of encouragement to you. You know, I don't know where, you know, my kind of sense is I don't know the, uh, where everyone's at, but my sense is that our, we need a, a refreshed appreciation for the meeting life you know maybe this is something that becomes maybe neglected or become a little loose Uh, and so I will encourage you dear young brothers and sisters to make a I would say even make a vow to the Lord a fundamental decision don't promise anything just make a decision before the Lord a consecration that you would be willing to offer your body willingly uh, as a living sacrifice. And so this decision is this. I will go, if there's a meeting of the church, if I'm not sick or there's not some extraneous circumstance, I will go to the meetings of the church. You just make a decision. So it's not something you gotta pray about. If there's a meeting, and I'll talk about the different kinds of meetings, uh, the saints are meeting, I'm going. That's the decision. Uh, you can pray, Lord, am I not going? No, you just, I'm going. You don't have to pray about it. I'm going. That's my habit, and that's my life. Why is that so critical? If you want to maintain and preserve your enjoyment of the Jubilee, you need to have this kind of attitude, right? Otherwise, you'll find, sure enough, the enjoyment, it begins to wane again. You wonder, what happened? Well, you've got to cooperate with the Lord in this way, and make, he honors your will. So you have to exercise your will. I will go to the meetings of the church. That's where I live. That's where I can live. And that's where I enjoy the Jubilee. So point three says the three basic church meetings are the Lord's Day morning meeting, including the Lord's table and the prophesying meeting, the prayer meeting, and the group meeting. And then I'll just read point four: the young people should learn to function in the meetings of the church. Amen. We should not act as if we are guests or spectators, but we should open our mouth and release our spirit. Amen. So I have to really be measured with my time. Um, but you know, among us, maybe, it's possible, there's some newer ones who are joining this training, and your contact with us may. Pretty much there is a club that you met on campus so these dear brothers and sisters who love the Lord. And, and now you come here and you find out there's quite a global connection all over the earth. And so you're coming to a point that you're beginning to come in contact with the church. Um, and so you may not know, what are these meetings of the church you're talking about? And then perhaps uh, for some of us, this is somewhere I probably could have a limited amount of time, you know about the meetings of the church, but you don't have much appreciation. So like one of the meetings here, it mentions the Lord's table meeting. Why do we do that? And so, you know, the Lord instituted this with the disciples before he went to the cross. He replaced the Passover, the Old Testament, with the Lord's table. Right? And I'll just uh, summarize. He took bread and he broke it. Um, actually, these verses in First uh, Corinthians 11 is so good. I'm just going to emphasize a little part of it. And this is uh, Paul's recount, what, what was delivered to us um, by the Lord. And it says, And having given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is given for you. This do unto the remembrance of me. Oh, so i just like to say this. This particular meeting is the unique meeting and the only meeting that the Lord charged us to do, right? He told us, do this unto the remembrance of me. And we remember the Lord by breaking the bread and drinking the cup. And that signifies the Lord's body and the blood of his covenant. It's eating and drinking that we remember the Lord. And the Lord charged us to do this until I come. So this is a line that Connects his first coming to his second coming. Oh, don't you think this meeting is valuable? Don't you want to be in that line until the Lord's coming? Oh, and we'll find that this is the richest meeting. Oh, because we feast with the Lord. Talk about the enjoyment of the Jubilee. Uh, It is in the Lord's table meeting. Then many times in a lot of our localities, we practice afterwards the prophesying meeting. And the prophesying meeting is really a practice of 1 Corinthians 14, where we see that every believer has something. And to prophesy is to speak for the Lord, to speak forth Christ, and to minister Christ into one another. And through the prophesying, we build up the church. So the prophesying means valuable because there we directly build the church. And then it mentions the prayer meeting. And I consider the prayer meeting kind of like being on the front lines, right? The, the Lord needs the church's prayer. The extent that the church prays is the extent that the Lord moves. And I can testify that the prayer meeting is the, probably the most difficult meeting to go to. It is a fight to get there, it takes a vision to go to the prayer meeting. But when you go, you get a supply. So you're praying with the saints. And you can see the Lord's answering prayer, and you see the Lord's moving. And then the other meeting here, which I think we all appreciate very much, is the group meetings. Oh, Hallelujah for the home meetings, right? I think we all enjoy that. I don't want to say too much because many of us, there's there we get fed, there we get shepherded, and there we can shepherd others, right? In the home meetings. Okay, and so the last point I would like to say this on the matter of meetings is that the, uh, not just to go, but to function. Not to be a spectator, but to be a participator. Right? So all of us have a portion. I just wanted to say one little thing, is on this point, is that the, the meetings belong to you. Don't have this concept. This concept can go back to Satan, is that, oh, the meetings are just for the old people, like Brother Scott and other brothers, It's for them, and they will participate, and they function. I'll just kind of, I don't have much, and I'll just kind of spectate. No, the meetings belong to you. Actually, the meetings are your portion. It's the meetings of the church. You're a member of the church, so it is your portion, and so it's your responsibility also to function, right, together mutually with all the saints. Okay, so now going on to Roman numeral two. How about we read that together? this one is precious. Um, So we have the meetings and then we need companions. And so here, you know, all these verses, there's so many good verses throughout the scripture, this matter of having companions, right? Joshua and Caleb, Moses and Aaron, the Lord, he sent out the disciples two by two. Uh, Even Paul and Timothy, companions. Uh, This is something is prevalent and I I really enjoy I'll just read Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12, right? Um, That helps it just they're so good two are better than one Because they have a good reward for their labor. I was just appreciating. you know that good reward is the Jubilee You get rewarded with the Jubilee by having a companion if they fall the one will lift up his companion but woe to the one who falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep, uh, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And while a man may prevail against the one, the two will, will withstand him. And three, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And in this verse, I just enjoying. There's a logarithmic uh, strengthening by having a companion is Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty, How shall one chase a thousand, and two put 10,000 to flight? Amen. See, that, a thousand becomes 10,000. That is a logarithmic increase. So this is the strengthening Amen. that happens when we have a companion. Amen. Okay, point A says, we should find a few spiritual companions so that we can open to one another, help one another, and solve one another's problems and spiritual things. B. If we come together regularly with our companions, our weaknesses will be swallowed up. Our problems will be solved. Our spirit will be strengthened and refreshed. And our love for the Lord will be more fervent. Uh, I hope many of us can testify of this experience is that all these things, there are so many benefits. Our weaknesses get strengthened. Our spirit gets refreshed. It's kind of like the coals, hot coals, right? You put them together, we burn one another. And we incite one another to cause us to love one another. Right? To, uh, and so the uh, <clears throat> one point I just really appreciate it here is so that we can open to one another. You know, it's good, and I'll just mention this now, is that when we talk about having companions, we have to be specific. And as somebody whom you can open to. You know, sometimes I could probably ask the brothers in my locality. They're not here. And it says, who are your companions? Oh, it's the brothers. I love the brothers. Which brothers? You know, if you, if you make it general, actually you kind of lose the reality, right? Be specific for reality. So we need specific individuals. What's your companion's name? And that person is someone whom you can trust, you can open to, that you're pursuing with. Um, And so here, uh, point C, I just, um, okay, I'm going to read you a verse, Matthew 18, 20. And this verse was kind of enlightening to me in this context, right? It says, for where there are two or three gathered into my name, there am I in their midst. And so I was appreciating two or three. It's something very specific. Certain individuals that you're connected in a particular way. And then this other point, gathered. So there has to be a kind of a paying of a price to get with your companion. There should be a a specific kind of pursuit. Maybe it's like, Shepherd alluded to it, maybe in the morning time, you need a companion to strengthen your time with the Lord in the morning. So you have a specific pursuit. Maybe on certain days you get with this brother or after your personal time and you would pray together and have a corporate morning revival, right? A specific kind of pursuit. So here, uh, before we move into point C, my feeling is a similar feeling as with the meetings is that we, too, need to make a definite decision that we all need companions. If we are to stay and enjoy the Jubilee, this is not an option. Sometimes you might think having companions, if it's convenient, if, um, you know, if it works out, if I, the brothers are around me, if I can get along with them or the sisters, um, I'll do it. No, it's not an option. In fact, this needs to be your prayer and your pursuit. Lord, I need companions. Don't think. I maybe tend to be this way. Don't think you're so strong. Oh, I can handle it. I can do this. Um, Is no, you can't do this. You need companions. Because you don't realize um, the weaknesses. You don't realize. Um, Even just on this single point, we need to be saved from our selfishness. We need to learn. I just, this verse, actually, it's um, Hebrews 10.24. It talks about us considering one another. I was really touched by that word. Uh, we need to be safe. We many times, we just kind of consider ourselves, me, myself, and I. But that definitely doesn't match the Lord's heart, is that we need to consider one another. Well, if we have a companion and a specific pursuit you're forced into, Um, being saved from selfishness and begin to consider one another to care for one another so uh, how about this will you all make a decision and I'll just uh, say okay maybe some say oh you know in my locality and on my campus I'm the only student I don't know who's in that situation don't need to raise your hand and I'll give you a little word of encouragement don't be picky about who will be your companions as we'll see in this next point in fact i'll, I'll read it um, yeah point three c3 is very good is that maybe there's someone older in your locality why not that person be your companion uh, maybe it's someone younger i uh, but you have to pray maybe there's a classmate who is a friend uh, perhaps even also a fellow christian Maybe you can pursue together with that person, even though they may not be in the church life, but there can be a pursuit. That person can be a companion to you. And then why not take advantage of technology, right? We're connected, and I think many do this. You can read the ministry or read the word with a companion in a different locality, right? Just simply on the phone. And there you can get the fellowship, right? There are many things you can pursue in order to get the companions that you need. Okay, so point C says there are three principles for finding spiritual companions. Okay, one is we should at, uh, seek companions among those who are believers, not among unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians 6, we cannot be dissimilarly yoked, right? If someone is, and I'll just say a quick point, I'm running out of time, is there's a difference, a big difference between a companion, and I would just say, I'll use this term, and a friend. A friend is someone you have maybe a common interest in the world, maybe some natural affection toward, but has nothing to do with Christ. Uh, But then I have a little concern. There's many who are maybe brothers or sisters in Christ. We have the same life, but but actually in practice they're just friends and not companions with each other. Don't turn a potential companionship into just a mere friendship. And what I mean by that is I had this experience, very interesting, it was two brothers and they hang out with each other all the time. They're just together and they're great, it seems like companions. And then I, um, I don't know if I got with them and I asked, oh, did you, do you pray with so-and-so? And the brother goes, oh, that would be really weird, <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't do that. Now if you join us, us two, we can pray. If you join me, you know, I join the two, then they can pray together. But if I don't join them, they can't pray together. And so I realized, oh, that's a bad sign. Right? So I, anyways, I was considering is that maybe a danger in the church life. You know, we get connected with one another in different ways. Uh, and so we might confuse friendship with companionship. No, we're not talking about just friends, hangout buddies. We're talking about companions who pursue the Lord together. And, uh, yeah, I have a, bunch, a few points on that, but just not the time. Amen, Lord. Okay, so point two says, we should look for brothers and sisters who can be of mutual help. Point three, we should look for three kinds of companions. Companions at our spiritual level for mutual spiritual help. Companions who are more experienced in the Lord who can lead us. And companions who are younger and weaker whom we we can help and lead. This is so helpful, isn't it? a lot of times you just think it just has to be someone the same age no you need someone who's older whom you can open and who has some experience in christ that you can receive but then you also need someone who's younger whom you can shepherd and care for how about the college students how about some of the young people in your church the high schoolers the junior hires they can be your companions oh that will be invaluable help on their side it will also be a help from your side, as I mentioned earlier, it will save you from selfishness, right? And then point D in looking for spiritual companions, we should fear God, respect one another, and reject natural affection. I had a lie. I wanted to read something. I'll just give you a little warning, a little vinegar, if you will, uh, is don't be too loose. Uh, sometimes we as brothers, I know the brothers do, and I, I feel so convicted. I read the ministry on this. I'm so convicted. You know, we just kind of jest, kind of joke around. Uh, Don't be too loose, because I've seen it. Offenses come. Things come in. The enemy uses that, and it causes a a dividing. It's very uh, disruptive and damaging. So just be conscious. Fear God. Respect one another. Um, Yeah, I wish I had more time. And then point E. uh, How about we read together? we shall live a life of fleeing youthful lust and pursuing Christ as righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Yeah, how about that verse? Second Timothy 2.22, right? But flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Amen. Maybe we be those who flee and pursue with those, I think to honor the time, and give you lots of time to share, and to overflow, okay, I think maybe Shepherd might help us, and you know, one thing I didn't do, is if you have some experiences, that could be an encouragement, of having companions in the Lord, or experiences for sure, a meeting in the church life, uh, that would be very good to hear, it would be an encouragement to us all, okay, how about, Yeah, that's very good. How about then? How about we spend a little time by your neighbors? Just pray two by two, okay? Amen.